Welcome to the Visions of a Better World podcast. We are part of Global Visions, an association founded in Helsinki, Finland. Our goal is to bring people and organizations together as well as develop ideas and ways of thinking to make the world a better place. In this podcast series, our association is represented by me, project planner Petri Lahtinen, and Max Dalberi, the founder and chairperson of the association. We are also inviting guests to the podcast to discuss themes that are important in making the world a better place. Welcome, everyone. Okay, welcome everyone to this panel discussion organized by Global Visions, where we discuss what a basic income society would look, look like. My name is Max Talbari, I'm the founder and chairperson of the Global Visions Association. Our aim is to bring together people, groups and ideas that are striving to build a better world. And we are also all about enlightened improvement of the world. This is of course, of course universal topic and debate, but we want to advance it in a fact-based, systematic and inclusive way. Uh, and this is now the second event that we are arranging, and I hope you all find it interesting. Hello to everyone on my behalf as well. My name is Petri Lahtinen, and I am currently the project planner of Global Visions. And uh, I w- wish everyone a, a very productive and fruitful panel discussion. And I'm also going to briefly introduce our great panelists uh, starting off uh, from my left is Peter Ratu who is the chairperson of BN Finland BN being the basic income earth network and next to Peter we have Signe Jauhiainen uh, who is uh, a senior researcher at Kela and for anyone Uh, who might be watching this recording online, who is uh, not uh, a Finnish person, I I should clarify that uh, Kela is the uh, Finnish government agency in charge of settling benefits under national social security programs. And uh, lastly but not least, we have Heikki Hilamo, who is uh, the professor of social policy at the University of Helsinki. So this is, this is our panelist and I'll let Max you introduce the first topic of today's uh, uh, general topic that is basic income society. Yes, thank you. So I thought that we could start with a, with a kind of like an introductory question to this team. And that is, what aspect or feature of universal basic income has made you support it? Hey, can you come start, please? Well, I hope my mic is on. Uh, well, I've been uh, interested in this uh, idea of basic income for a very long time. Uh, I used, I guess, I could be characterized as a basic income supporter uh, perhaps some 10 years ago. Um, but over the last few years, I think I've grown more skeptical towards basic income and my proposal for a future social policy is more like a participation income. Okay, Thank you. Signe, please. Uh, this also might be a small disappointment, but I'm not a supporter of basic income. I, uh, I'm neither against it. I'm a researcher, so I analyze and study basic income. So I, I see both pros and cons in basic income. So I think the positive features are, are that it's 
it's universal, it's unconditional, it can be, it can be well, it can improve well-being. And then some more sort of problematic issues are, for example, how to finance basic income and is it adequate enough to cover the basic needs for everybody. Okay, thank you. Petri, please. Well, I can take up the lanterns at least uh, unequally uh, support basic income, which is maybe not a surprise to anyone, but I have a systems and operations research background from Aalto University, and I think one of the first things was when I was coming across research, I think it's from the government, like VATT, that looked at effective marginal tax rates, which is like the total effect of your taxes and changes in uh, benefits, which were showing that for many situations in the Finnish society, you can be taxed more than 100%. So you go to work, you end up having less money uh, than you started with. And in this context, uh, when I started thinking about solutions, then universal basic income is... Uh, one of the uh, most straightforward, uh, there are other ways, uh, of course, they're more complex, but there is a clear solution how you could solve this one, because the models that we have, uh, when at least UBIs are large enough, then uh, are just an effect, a single tax rate or a couple of tax brackets on top for the work you've done. And then uh, later down the ra uh, road, uh, like a concrete example lately was when we had high... Uh, uh, electricity prices uh, now with the war in Ukraine and the government started slashing out money uh, in various ways to help people cope with the uh, heating costs or electricity cost and uh, in this instance uh, uh, which comes more close to helicopter money would have helped it's not of course because it's time limited it's not uh, UBI per se but it's quite close uh, in concept uh, to UBI and would, would at least be much better than the uh, way we ended up uh, giving out handouts. Okay, thank you. So let's now then turn to discuss what a basic income society would look like. And we thought that we would approach this team to, through three larger teams. And the first concerns the economic realities of universal basic income. So we will look into the possibilities of financing it, for instance, among other economic issues. Uh, so, what are the existing methods of financing a UBI, and is it a real economic possibility in the first place? Who would like to start? Well, uh, uh, I can start in, uh, uh, to reference the one of the more concrete models in Finland we have uh, uh, from the Green Party and the Left Alliance. And the Green Party, the micro simulation, it's now a bit old, but the basic tenants are still... Uh, um, uh, valid these days, of course, inflation adjusted, but there was a 560 euro model, which could be fi uh, financed by mostly uh, two, two things. Uh, one is redirecting the existing social security spending, and the second parameter there was keeping the um, uh, taxation for average earners roughly the same as this. Uh, so, and that financed the 560 euro model. This is a partial uh, uh, universal basic income because it's not enough to live in Finland for 560 euros. So then we can see that if you want the thousand or so plus euros that is needed to just survive on universal basic income in, let's say, Helsinki, you would need a very drastic change in the cash flows in society and drastically would need to increase the uh, revenues to the state. One idea was introduced in the, uh, how would you call it, it, it was in in the subcommittee of uh, social security reform and the committee was called alternative models to implement uh, social security 
And in that committee, we um, examined three different models. Of course, one was basic income, one was more, more like a universal credit model, and the third one was this some kind of um, uh, social account model. Yes. Uh, so, um, and in the uh, basic income model, we introduced a new tax. So, in in micro simulation. Uh, it's quite easy to implement basic income to to remove other benefits and then introduce basic income but uh, to to find out way to finance it it's quite it needs quite um, complicated not not necessarily complicated but quite profound uh, tax reform and in in that uh, that report we introduced a basic income tax for all income from work and also uh, capital income. So if you want to know more about basic income tax, then then you can look that report. Well, perhaps I can continue from from uh, uh, what Signa said. Uh, I guess the conclusion on the basis of that microsimulation was that it's it's completely unrealistic to implement that type of a basic income because it would have uh, it would cost so much. Uh, there was also another uh, microsimulation with a, um, very minor uh, amount of basic income, uh, and I think that could have I think it could be a kind of a viable solution. Uh, but when it comes to that kind of approach, uh, I think we need to make this distinction between politics of need and politics of recognition, where politics of need is that you have to have a social security system to to support you uh, through different type of uh, life crises, like unemployment or, or disability or or sickness or, or old age. Uh, so you need to have a, a social security system in place which would allow you to get enough money to cover your basic needs. So that's politics of need. Uh, and then there is political of recognition, which is that uh, it's a kind of a, uh, recognition of an identity. And we can think about this uh, uh, cash child benefit, which we have as a kind of a politics of recognition in a sense that for most, I would say for most uh, uh, families, it doesn't play that much of a role uh, in terms of uh, uh, benefit. It's more like uh, a recognition that every child is entitled to a certain amount of money and Kela is paying, making this payment. So it's kind of a, a fi one feature of, of being uh, a resident, a legal resident or citizen of, of Finland. And I think we could have that kind of a basic <laughs> income for, for everyone, which would, but it would not be more than like a 50 euros. I think it was the micro simulation was with, with 50 euros. But if, if, you, if you think about politics of need, I mean, uh, in Finland you would need, if you also take into account a housing expenditure uh, or housing costs, you would need like uh, at least 1,000 euros a month for each person. And just uh, collecting that money <laughs> through taxes and paying that through uh, through Kela, for example, it's it's uh, it would just expand our state budget, <laughs> and and I, d I don't think it would not 
serve any any greater purpose since we already uh, are our system is probably one of the most comprehensive in the world but this is the kind of a Finnish context but then when we talk about basic income as a as a global idea then I think it's a different case and I think basic income can make sense uh, at least in certain certain uh, global south context uh, like like local villages where you also can think about different forms of basic income like a, a local currency type of basic income uh, or or just taking basic income as kind of a, a recognition of the fact that people need support to just to to uh, live through the day uh, and and I, I also like very much this idea of universality because that has that somehow connected with the idea of, of human rights that every person is entitled to a certain thing just on the grounds of, of being born into this world uh, and then basic basic income is a kind of a recognition of, of that fact and in that sense I, I like this I like this idea but for for a highly developed uh, country uh, I'm not so convinced that uh, universal basic income would actually solve any any major problems. I think it would even create greater problems. And and you, then you also need to think about uh, uh, political support. I think that type of a support is completely lacking if you just look at the the the, the people's willingness to pay, to pay taxes. And for example, our current government is actually uh, cutting taxes and and and. Uh, uh, cutting benefits in the same time, meaning that actually uh, the tax cuts are are used. Uh, uh, I mean, the cuts in in social pending in social basic social security benefits are used to finance the tax cuts for richer persons. <laughs> so it's completely against this idea of collecting more money and paying out basic income. Petri, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe uh, supplement this with a bit. This is the short-term view, and of course, for the long-term view, the longer we look into the future, is hard to say. But uh, it is uh, politically viable to see incremental steps uh, going towards some goal. If we set some goal, we would not reach one thousand euro UBI, and they take many parliaments. But if we had the willingness and we started going to some certain political direction, then the incremental tax changes implemented over a long time are still possible. If we look at, for example, the outphasing of the interest rate deduction for mortgages, no one's particularly complained about that. Of course, the interest rates have been low, but when it's done uh, so slowly, as the saying goes, as the frog boils, it has uh, generated surprisingly little uh, political discussion, uh, maybe now lately with the interest rates going up. But some similar thinking when someone sets a law and step by step increases stuff 20 years into the future might be politically, uh, at least like you could vision such a thing that might not have be political support at the moment. That's one of the ideas I like about basic income movement, that it's, it's about utopian idea <laughs> and it's having this very long a view into the future and I think we're lacking that kind of uh, in our political debates we are many times lacking that kind of visions we're just uh, dealing with the nitty-gritty things uh, relating to to just like one government period uh, but then when you have this vision you also need to have a kind of a idea of uh, if basic income is the answer so what is the question uh, okay, in, in that context, uh, we've mostly been discussing about uh, 
uh, digitalization and, and, and artificial intelligence. And I guess the idea of basic income really broke into the uh, uh, mainstream debate uh, when uh, some influential uh, business leaders like Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg said that uh, the computer's gonna take away all the half of the jobs and, and we definitely need to have a basic income for those who can't uh, uh, be employed any longer. Uh, well, the, that kind of uh, debate has been going. I think it already faded away until chat GDP was, was introduced. And since then, when people have seen how powerful this technology is, I think it has revived this <laughs> discussion of, of uh, what is the future of work. Uh, and, and I think that's a relevant context. But even there, I think it's a kind of a, a dystopian idea that we would have some persons who are really productive and they are entitled to, to participate in the labor market. And for the others, they're just giving this government handout and, and they're just living on a basic income. I think that's, that would be a kind of a very, <laughs> very uh, dystopian view for the future. Uh, I think you would need to think about universal basic, basic income as, as something which is, which is uh, inclusive. And my, my view for the future in terms of basic income, it mostly it doesn't uh, relate so much to the technological change. It's mostly uh, to, to this other big issue, which I think it's even more difficult to solve, uh, um, namely climate change and, and distinction of species. Uh, and, and I think the only way to deal with, uh, with those uh, challenges is that people would spend less. And, and basic income could perhaps uh, allow people to, to live happy lives, perhaps work a little bit less, spend less uh, uh, money for, for consumption, which is, which is uh, uh, consuming our, our uh, limited resources, and then perhaps find other purposes for life. Uh, but this, this, <laughs> this, this it's, it's such a difficult debate, this whether basic income is uh, incentive for work. I think you were re referring to marginal tax rates in your first uh, 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 talk. Uh, but I, I think we would, perhaps for me, I think the more promising idea for basic income is that it would actu actually be a dis, uh, disincentive for work and we would take we would welcome this idea of basic income as, as a disincentive for work seeing that, uh, since you represent Kela who is now in charge of uh, the social security in Finland uh, and here now in the previous uh, talks there's been uh, the question of what justifies uh, the implementation of basic income in a more advanced society such as Finland. But one classic argument presented is that it would uh, make it the current bureaucracy much more lighter, which is often deemed very uh, very complicated, frustrating, and, and and confusing. So, as a researcher, do you have any any uh, take on that as as a one reason to support basic income in an advanced society such as Finland? Uh, I think there are two different 
perspective in this question. First one is the Gela per perspective, and and I can tell you that uh, the amount of money that Gela has and which Gela distributes is that ninety seven percent of that of all the money in Gela is paid to the those who receive benefits and only three percent is used for the bureaucracy so uh, uh, ma making this less bureaucratic or making the implementation sort of uh, more streamlined or more si uh, less complicated it's not way to finance basic income because it's only three percent of all the costs uh, of of benefits but then there's of course the the perspective of a uh, human being or or those who uh, who receive benefits and and from our we have studied the Finnish basic income we have asked uh, about this in a survey that uh, different we have tested the the recipients and of of basic income and and the control group with different kind of indicators of well-being and do they uh, do they feel less bureaucracy when they receive basic income and actually it it helps people uh, in that in that way that there is less bureaucracy and there is less uncertainty. So, so people are more certain that they will receive the certain amount every month automatically. No need to; they don't need to fill any applications. Or uh, in in that model, there it was they they received the basic income, and there it was not means tested. There um, any income from employment did not decrease the amount of basic income so the, it was quite secure no bureaucracy uh, and that's i think they it might increase the well-being of of individuals that kind of less less bureaucratic and un unconditional model uh, one thing to add there that the most bureaucratic and problematic one is income support and that's the hardest benefit because it's the benefit of last resort uh, to replace with the uh, UBI. So there's the kind of uh, uh, the problem that if we start replacing the lowest benefits, those are not the ones who feel the burden of bureaucracy the most because the worst one is in income support where you need to give your uh, account statements and justify that you have no assets. Uh, would require UBI of uh, paying your rent plus 500, might be more like 600 these days for uh, living. And we can see in Helsinki that's way over a thousand euros. So there we come back to the original discussion that that's the hardest one to get to. Well, it's it's not actually a benefit. It's called minimum income scheme, where the idea is that you're just guaranteed a certain level of income uh, if you if your other income sources fall below a certain line uh, so so I think that's what makes also discussion very difficult because people take at it as a benefit while it's actually just a kind of a uh, guaranteed minimum income scheme yeah it's it's a top-up it's very rare that uh, someone gets thousand euros of, of <coughs> uh, this income support or we call it social assistance because they they only get the 
the sort of the missing part of the income. So usually it's only like two or three hundred euros. Yeah. Yeah, I was referring to the whole like total situation that you would not need to apply for it at all. And isn't there, uh, if I remember correctly, you will certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, isn't hasn't the situation in Finland for quite a while been such as that there are a lot of people who would, in theory, uh, they would, they would, their condition and situation would uh, allow them to apply for social benefits, but. Uh, uh, quite big number of those people never actually do apply for a, so, so, some sort of uh, social security that they would be uh, would receive yes and es- especially in in the so- social assistance that people do not though all those households who are entitled do not apply for social assistance but it's not the the majority it's the minority about maybe 30 percent or something like t- that it's quite uh, quite difficult to to analyze what is the the amount of those who are eligible and do not uh, apply um, one study has examined that especially those who have more short-term need for social assistance do not apply so those who Those who have a really small income for a longer time, they usually apply, apply for social assistance. So it's n- not that problematic, but that that benefit is of course very, very. It takes a lot of time and energy to apply for it. You need to really get de- give really detailed information about your your expenses and income. Heike, since you briefly mentioned uh, the environmental issues, uh, I would like to briefly go back there. Uh, first of all, to mention that there's uh, until now v- uh, various uh, basic income trials have been insufficient in in that case that they don't include in the in the f- uh, initial designing phase that. Uh, the environmental aspect or thus far haven't been included that and and there were research done on the possible environmental positive environmental effects that basic income might have are uh, thus uh, somewhat insufficient but uh, going uh, towards a question that i had uh, regarding that is that uh, even though there's uh, no no assertive data on on the positive effects of basic income on the environment environment but uh, some or quite a number of uh, researchers uh, have made the argument that a lot of majority of the problems that are causing uh, majority of the current uh, ecological problems could be solved by major taxation of the maybe of the 10 richest uh, percent of the whole population so uh, that might be radical of course to tax the the richest percent of the whole population uh, but could that be uh, as you mentioned uh, this universal basic income as an utopian idea so if we approach 
uh, UBI as a sole utopian idea, could that be uh, of a one approach of, of finding alternative ways to uh, finance uh, universal basic income? Well, I think uh, inequality is a problem um, per se, uh, and and uh, I think you need to make a distinction between a kind of a income support policy or a social security policy and then a taxation policy. I mean, you can have a, a penal tax on the, on the rich <laughs> without a basic income and vice versa. Uh, uh, and and uh, Well, I think it's a different debate. Uh, some people have suggested a, a tax on fossil fuels or as, as a one source of... Uh, uh, income for basic, to, to finance basic income. Uh, well, I think we would need that kind of a tax anyway, <laughs> also for other reasons. It can be used to finance uh, um, social security systems as well, uh, but we would need that uh, in any case. Uh, and then another issue is something which which uh, uh, you, Petteri, also raised, uh, is that uh, if we are take this green transition seriously, it means that uh, the the cost of uh, fossil fuels have to increase, and then the the question is how is that going to be compensated for low income households, and what would be the most uh, efficient uh, system to make that compensation, uh, and and for that purpose I think we could think about some sort of grants which could take form of of. Uh, I mean, in any way, that would be a, a unconditional <laughs> compensation because it's compensation for for you to to uh, continue your your lifestyle, even though uh, the the gas prices are are getting um, sky high. Anything to add, Petteri? That I I I've understood that you have also. Uh, pondered upon the the environmental issues of basic income at, at some level um, yes i have the for disclosure i'm also a member of the uh, greens in finland uh but not here in any political capacity and also don't hold any office uh but just to clarify uh yes exactly as heike said there's that uh and then in general in tax policy we have to collect money from somewhere and if you take uh, a more comparative approach do you want to tax work or do you want to tax externalities which is like uh, things like emissions then at least for me it's a clear we know that uh, uh, there there is a, a lack of the debate that if you raise one tax then another tax couldn't go down that's kind of missing in Finnish discussion often that uh, there is all you can do tax change without changing the sta state revenues uh, uh, the final line the state budget by switching uh, where you collect taxes from and it's quite clear in the cr uh, climate discussion that taxing externalities more uh, would be good policy uh, regardless of if you want to increase or decrease state budget because you could then decrease uh, taxes on work. Yeah, I think that's the kind of a weak uh, part of our, our um, uh, income transfer system is that uh, we don't use the tax system to reduce income inequalities that much. If you think about, for example, this uh, 
tax credit you're going to get for, for household services, you could reform that tax credit in a way it, which would actually support lower-income people <laughs> to use those services. Nowadays, it's mostly going for middle classes and, and upper classes because they have the money to, to, uh, to buy those services. Low-income people, they don't have the, the money to, to buy the, those services in the first place, and that's why they're not, never going to get the credit. So it's possible to have a regressive uh, tax credits and tax uh, allowances. Uh, in in uh, mostly Anglo-American countries, you have earned income tax credits, uh, which, are, which are really important, for example, in the US and also in, in UK. I would be curious to hear more about the model that you are advocating for, Heikki, the participatory model. What, what is, it is it about and why do you support it? Well, the idea is that it's, it's uh, I mean, if um, universal basic income is really broad idea concerning everyone, uh, this participation income is, is just for the margin, ma marginal group of people who don't stand a chance in the labor market. And currently they are subject to all kind of uh, 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 sanctions. Uh, so they, they have to, to take part in the rehabilitative work or they have to do some, sometimes even some, some uh, forced labor activities uh, and they co don't have any agency uh, in determining what type of activities they, 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 they need to do. So the idea for, for this model is that for those who actually don't have, at least in the short run, uh, any chance to make it to the uh, open labor markets, they would be allowed to suggest activities which would contribute uh, for the community or, or, or for a, a, a broader environment in some way, uh, like voluntary work. Sometimes it could be just participating in, in rehabilitation or, or taking language courses. It could be care work, taking care of your children or your uh, frail uh, 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 parents or, or somebody else, a child or, or, or uh, elderly person. And you could suggest those activities, and then you could get a, a kind of a top up to your benefit. Currently, you you have this top up. I don't know if our new government is going to take away those top ups, but but currently you have a top up if you participate in in some active labor market policy measures. But so this this idea would it would just broaden this scope of activities, and it could also include some activities which could relate to to. Uh, um, uh, protecting the environment, like gardening or ecosocial services, or or recycling, or taking care of of some some uh, uh, forest areas or or some some distant parks, for example. Should we then uh, move to the second topic? If no one else has any comments or on on what was just said, better. Uh, it's not a comment uh, on that, but it's a general comment on the tax system. Briefly, to say that the most common reason for us to tax something is that it was an easy uh, place to place a tax at some point in the history, uh, and then uh, that ta uh, then we keep taxing that. For example, payroll is an easy place to tax. Quite often our taxes are not based on that this would be like, uh, this is the like convenient place to tax, not that this is the place where the taxing makes most sense. Well, I think when you 
talk about payroll, you need to make this di distinction between general taxes and then insurance payments. Because insurance payments, they are, they, are, they are regarded as taxes. I mean, they are mandatory payments, but they are actually an insurance. So they are insurance against uh, job loss or, or insurance uh, about uh, reaching uh, old age. And, and it's not, I mean, we don't have a personal accounts in our, our uh, social insurance system, but it's, it's an insurance. And, and you, you, you shouldn't take those as, as taxes in that sense. Yeah, I was uh, referring to just straight up uh, income taxes in the payroll, which are still more than the insurance payments because our payroll hides the pension payments behind the employer and they don't show up in the payroll. But those 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 payments, they are actually for, I think it's also every time it is um, uh, employees' money because it's it's just uh, used for the employees' benefit. I mean, in the back in the old days, you were the, the companies were able to, to, to borrow back the money to finance investments when the credit market was was uh, restricted but nowadays it doesn't play any role okay so let's f let's next look at look at the positive benefits of a basic income if it will be implemented at some point in the future so the data gathered from trials indicate that it increases the general well-being of it, its recipients but it could probably also have societal benefits as well uh, so what could these positive effects be both for the individual and society? Seems better you are the representative of <laughs> BN Finland. Maybe you would like to uh, list some of these p positive. Uh, so yeah, the... Um, the, the way that often the results from the trial are presented that it didn't incentivize people to work but I would also say that on the, on the other hand it also didn't show that it would leave people uh, to stay in couches as the stereotypical saying says that people stay at home don't do nothing so you, you can take the Kela trial uh, depending if your class is half full or half empty you can look at it both ways. But yeah, the, uh, the clear uh, there was as Max mentioned was the me mental health benefit but of course, you always have to look at these systems uh, uh, in in a whole. If we do the more like social dividend model of UBI financing, then we have tied into the uh, uh, environmental benefits and those. And then there's the clear societal benefit that comes not from UBI, but from the financing that causes us to pay UBI, uh, produces the clear financial benefits. Uh, it still uh, remains, uh, of course, uh, from a scientific perspective, untested what would happen uh, in, in many of the cases we had a societal level random control trial and uh, implemented UBI in, let's say, a middle class. Though there are accidental uh, UBIs around the world, for example, in Iran they had a fossil fuel benefit that they ended and uh, when it's adjusted for um, uh, purchase power, it was like a plus thousand dollars or euro is kind of one to one that they ended up paying there. And that showed that the, in there, there were cases where people people worked more. So uh, it, then it's a, that kind of a double whammy of you have uh, like a um, secure base and you still uh, contribute to society uh, in various ways and often in more uh, wor by working more, not that the necessary work depends on your values, of course, if you define uh, working uh, uh, as a benefit, but maybe so far we should say that like to keep things running, everyone needs to work because we do not have to have the robots uh, keeping society running. Uh, so, positive <laughs> effects of basic income. 
in our case in Finland, the the discussion is a lot about you started from the incentives for work, uh, and and actually when the the government uh, wanted to introduce the basic income experiment, the idea was to to find a new model to implement social security, which is uh, less complicated, less bureaucratic, uh, and also be- to introduce better incentives for work. So employment in our case, or the incentives for work, are, are in the Finnish case, they are in the, in the center of the basic income discussion. So, of course, in, in theory and also in a small small uh, amount in in practice also it it increases employment so in the experiment the uh, effect of basic income on employment was was small but it was positive uh, and if, and then of course we 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 examined that those who received basic income they they estimated their well-being better than those who received the the normal uh, unemployment benefits, so as I said, the security and and uh, a simple model. Uh, but this, I think, this is uh, as as Heikki said, this is the context of of a sort of uh, welfare state, Nordic welfare state, and in this case, uh, basic income is more like a alternative to our social security, and in in this case, the um, the positive effects are, I think, they are limited because we already have the comprehensive social security system. But in more global perspective, in in many cases, in a, a, for example, in developing countries, basic income it's a uh, it's a issue of poverty. So guaranteeing uh, some small income for everybody and in introducing sort of a way to guarantee sort of enough food or education or medicine for everybody so uh, so it's a completely different picture and uh, and I think that some of the positive effects are sort of more more visible in in that context well uh just commenting on that, I, I think it's you need to think about uh, opportunity costs uh, because you know I think that's I think there are a lot of flaws in in the basic economic theories, but I think it's quite robust finding that uh, the more money you get, the happier you are, and and if you have a basic income experiment where there is very weak uh, uh, benefit scheme in place or no benefit scheme at all, and then you give people more money. What do you think if they're gonna make if you if it's gonna make them happier or not? Quite <laughs> possibly it'll make them happier. But then the opportunity cost is that, or uh, is 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 this the the best scheme to actually reach the goals what you aim at? And I think it would not be the best uh, scheme because if we uh, have a, a nationwide basic income in a poor country, you would also spend a large part of the budget for those people who don't actually need the money. And and if you have, when you have a limited budget, it means that those people who actually need 
the money the most, they would only get a small slice. And that small slice wouldn't matter for those who are better off. So I think you would need to think about better models uh, with some sort of targeting. And, and if you think about all of the basic experiments which have been conducted, they have been uh, uh, targeted in one way or another. Uh, I think the beauty of, of, of the Finnish experiment was that actually you were getting the equal amount of money whether you were in the, in the treatment as usual group or, or uh, in the intervention group, that is the basic income group. And that's when we were able to test those actually three different mechanisms. One was this uh, work incentives, meaning that if you got some extra money, you were able to keep the money. And then the second one was this absence of uh, uh, sanctions. So, so you were not forced to participate any any uh, any active labor market policy, policy measures if you didn't want to. And then the third was kind of a predictability, which you signal referred to. Uh, and, and it seems that uh, uh, overall, I think the, these work incentives, they didn't seem to play uh, that big role. I mean, I was expecting more positive results, and I think many, many others were expecting more positive uh, results. Meanwhile, uh, this uh, absence of sanctions, uh, you were quite surprised to, s to see that uh, the people, that even though they were not forced to participate in the activities, they actually participated in the activities, which was a positive sign, meaning that you don't actually have to force people to participate because they know what's best for, best for them and they will participate if they uh, think it's meaningful. And then this predictability, I think it has it's somehow connected to the positive uh, well-being uh, uh, effects. Well, we have some doubts because, uh, uh, as as you Signe said, this this study wasn't uh, designed to to uh, analyze well-being effects. So there was no baseline survey, and and the actually uh, cross-sectional survey, which was conducted at the end of the uh, uh, experiment, uh, had quite a small uh, turn up. Uh, but there has been some indication. Uh, well, I'm very sorry that it hasn't been published yet. Uh, even though it's already uh, more than five years since the end of the uh, uh, experiment, but there is some some uh, evidence to show from the register studies that that people had a better mental health if they were getting basic income. So I think it it's given more credibility for the finding that uh, or for the claim that it, it had positive well-being effects. Better you were eager to comment and maybe <laughs> it's, it's a more continuation of the global effects that they we have a significant amount of global po population still living unbanked and in a sustenance economy and it's not the ubi then is providing the benefits but the fact that you need to become part of the banking system to uh, receive ubi it's probably not going to be paid in rice or something that's going to be paid in cash so then there are lots of benefits that are clear from being part of the banking system the access to loans and such that that uh, would be enabled by paying uh, a small amount, a partial UBI in uh, developing countries. I just have a short clarification. Uh, uh, I agree with Heike, and if you listen me carefully, I I do not talk about the effects on well-being. I, I I talk about that those who received basic income they evaluated their well-being better than those who received the normal unemployment benefit. So 
it's based on a limited survey, so that's why I'm not talking about well-being effects in, in the context of Finnish basic income experiment. One term that was mentioned uh, previously was this uh, previously uh, highly esteemed, especially in Nordic countries, the model of uh, welfare state, uh, which has uh, during recent years or even decades now, uh, some theoricians have have uh, argued that there's been shifts from the welfare state towards a workfare state, well, where in, in, in advanced societies, the, instead of focusing on the well-being of, 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 of its citizens, it's, it's more concerned with the, their ability to work, and by work, meaning especially uh, wage labor, so and 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 going back to the positive effects we which we have discussed uh, now the uh, the for example on the mental health issues uh, do you think that the uh, the 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 basic income the one positive effect that it would have would be on 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 increasing uh usually it's said that the personal freedom of individuals to pursue things that they could not pursue uh, otherwise but maybe more broadly that they uh, focusing on things that are not related to wage labor and and an increase in value or surplus value for example the what Hake mentioned like doing communal uh work uh, for the benefit of the environment gardening projects and recycling and uh, whatever so uh, any any thoughts on on that the to summarize uh, the 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 shift from the welfare state to the workfare state and the effects that uh, basic income could have that would be something measured outside the conventional uh, labor wage labor sphere well well if i start i mean uh, when our our uh, grandfathers and grandmothers when they were designing this nordic welfare state model uh, back in the 70s and, and uh, uh, 60s they couldn't imagine this demographic change so uh, i think it was quite easy to think about improving benefits and, and, and more comprehensive and more generous schemes because most of the people, they were uh, in working age. They couldn't predict that uh, there's going to be a, a big decline in infertility and, and they were also uh, quite certain that we will have a similar level of economic growth and also similar level of uh, productivity growth. But that hasn't actually occurred. And now we are in in a in a kind of a permanent austerity because we don't have enough people to pay all the all the uh, 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 services and benefits people are entitled to. That's that's just a, a sad fact of life. Uh, and then in that sense, what we need is is to put more people into employment 
to more to to make more people to to pay taxes uh, uh, instead of getting getting benefits. Um, there was a, a, a Danish scholar, Jöste uh, Esping Andersen, who, who invented this idea of three worlds of welfare capitalism, uh, like that we have the Nordic model and we have the Anglo-Saxon model and then we have the continental model. And, and he characterized, ca- characterized this Nordic model as the model where this something uh, decommodification cr- uh, decree is highest. Decommodification means that uh, your work is a community, commodity which you sell in the labor markets and then this it's a decommodif- decommodified when the welfare state allows you to stay outside the labor market. And now we're talking about recommodification, so we want to put more people into employment. But of course uh, uh, we in this Nordic welfare state model think about people as individuals and, and, and as, as people who have abilities and, and, and competencies to improve their situation. So whenever you get a benefit, you are not expected to pay back this benefit uh, in terms of forced labor. Instead, you are encouraged or incentivized to increase your human uh, capital so that it's at some point you would be able to enter the labor market, re-enter or enter the labor market again. This workfare state is that it's a moral obligation to pay back this benefit. So, so it's, it doesn't matter what you do, this work, this fourth work is, is, doesn't need to serve any purpose for yourself. It's just like you pay back the benefit for the society. It's a moral obligation. Uh, like, meanwhile, our thinking used to be more like that we, are ha- we have activation policies. So we try to activate people to increase their human capital and we're not going to make them to, to, to uh, do uh, cleaning the streets or, 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 or uh, picking berries or something like that just as, as a form of paying back the benefits. So that's, that's quite, uh, uh, so it's not in our thinking. But if you read the new government program, I think you have, you can find some, <laughs> some clues of this workfare thinking as well. Yeah, I would re- like to reinforce the thought that it, with UBI, and when you produce value to someone else, it's not supposed to be that you use the UBI to produce value and s- to someone else. You still be, you should be compensated for the value you create for someone else. Uh, a good example is the collecting cans thing from an environmental perspective. You go there and you get the cans, you get the value back. Or then uh, from non-profit uh, profit perspective, if we had a high enough UBI, men, people had more disposable income, they would then be able to more easily pay membership fees to associations. And when you worked for the association, you would get paid for that. When now the situation is more so, well, you do it uh, without compensation because the association is so poor because the members don't have the means to pay it. But I think the uh, it's important to consider that the a value you create, if it's not for yourself, uh, but it's for external parties, you also get compensated for it when you have UBI. On the uh, possible positive effects on, on, on individuals that the UBI might have even in a uh, advanced society as such as Finland, uh, 
one thing that I would would be interested in hearing your thoughts on is that uh, uh, there's this uh, journal, Finnish journalist Tuomas Muraja, uh, who was part of the uh, previous basic income trial here in Finland, and he wrote a book about his experience. And he seems uh, to fit perfectly that group of people that would also highly benefit from a basic income, and that is people working either in in the creative field or in academic field, which now days is uh, increasingly uh, characterized by its uh, precarity that you don't have a long-lasting and and stable uh, work there, but you go from one project to another, and and in that such case. Uh, for example, Tuomas Muray argumented that uh, argued that the the basic income would be actually kind of s- uh, function as this kind of safety net for those kind of people. And uh, further on that, you Heikki mentioned, for example, the AI. And uh, now, when previously people were concerned that robots will take over manual labor, but Uh, with the dawn or or the uh, s- uh, sudden uh, shift of the AI to the mainstream, it seems that actually the AI is now <laughs> taking over like writing jobs and st- stuff like that. And and there's already been cases where people who are who have worked, for example, done writing jobs have gone to. Uh, installing air conditionings and uh, systems and and stuff like that. So, would you imagine that in th- these sort of scenarios, that basic income would be uh, uh, also in in an uh, advanced societies a uh, uh, welcomed uh, social security uh, uh, innovation? Uh, I would say one thing about the AI and things. The computers didn't uh, remove the need for work. Uh, so didn't the uh, automobiles when they replaced horses and when people stopped working at in the farming jobs. So these hype cycles show up every so often. But so far, people have then just changes the structure of the wor- uh, job market. And I think the uh, given we have many uh, of these societal changes examples from uh, from past it's the safe base assumption is the ai will be just a similar thing and will not cause for everyone to get out of the jobs uh, i think there's a burden of proof is higher for those who claim that they will uh, make human work uh, unnecessary for many fields a m- more likely explanation in my uh, opinion is that it will just shift uh, to people uh, doing something else for the work that it replaces Uh, but yeah, of course, as you said, for people who are not on a steady thirty-seven and a half hour contract in uh, in in Finnish context, they benefit more from the, uh, of course, the safety uh, net function of UBI because they uh, come across unemployment more often. Um, I think these e- examples <laughs> which you um, mentioned. Um, I think that they they tell that uh, we need some kind of social security reform. It's not necessarily basic income, but we need to reform the social security system to 
better better sort of respond the needs of 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 working life today uh for example this kind of uh increased risk of unemployment or short term uh employment or other type of gigs and different kind of work work relationships um so i think uh one feature is that the uh future social security needs to be less complicated and also the how to com- combine work and social security needs to be uh less uh, complicated than it's it's today Well, uh, I I would like to highlight uh, the collective dimension of of social security. Um, I think, well, I mean, we can think about different kind of uh, uh, unemployment scenarios uh, resulting from uh, uh, AI. Another issue is what's going to happen with uh, existing employment, whether people going to get. Uh, their fair share of of the productivity growth or not i mean historical development shows that it's it's not self evident that if there are better uh uh machines are, and more uh, improved technology that uh, the that will benefit everyone i mean we have seen very long periods of time when actually uh the working conditions have deteriorated and and people have been working more and getting actually less money <laughs> so so uh social security is very much connected to to uh, collective uh action by the workers uh and if you think about the future social security models which would uh somehow ignore that dimension we could end up in quite different quite more more unequal unequal world world So I think one of the when we've been looking at uh, different explanations for uh, reducing inequality, it seems that uh, the most robust finding is the uh, uh, the power of the labor unions explaining uh, redu- reduction in inequality. So so labor unions have been very important in in. Uh, 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 reducing in developing social security in in uh, introducing tax policies uh, transfer policies which are re- reducing inequality and also uh, extracting uh, uh, benefits from from productivity growth so that not everything is going for for the for the capital owners so this is this is uh, so far the labor unions have been quite skeptical towards uh, universal basic income and i think we need to take that criticism seriously talking of equality should we then go to our third and final topic of tonight yes yeah, so let's finally look far into the future and envision a society where ubay would be implemented Uh, so if it would be harnessed as part of, of the project of making a society more just and equal, could this affect, for instance, the polarization and populism that you see in societies today? Yeah, who wants to start? <laughs> Petri? Uh, reducing populism. Uh, 
well, in, in the sense that, of course, could ties back to how uh, large the UBI we have. Uh, if it's high enough, I can clearly see that kind of left behind thinking uh, uh, in in an economic sense be be like. But if, if it's still combined with a societal mindset that like. Uh, being being on some kind of cash transfer is kind of uh, frowned upon. It won't necessarily help, but it's also a mindset thing. So you need two two things that uh, uh, that it's the mindset in the society, and then of course that you get by. We do know from that the uh, uh, being poor uh, gets inherited between families quite uh, quite uh, quite heavily. So if we have a UBI that is high enough that the level uh, level of poverty uh, is lower, then we can start breaking some of these chains that uh, currently are intergenerational when uh, if your parents are poor, you're likely to still stay poor in Finland. I, I think this is a really difficult question. <laughs> I, I, I cannot see that uh, that far that uh, what's going to happen. But uh, of course, these um, aims are, are uh, good, that we need more equal society and I think that there is less populism and polarization in, in equal society but I'm not sure whether the universal basic income is the sort of the key element is this in this kind of development what could the key elements then I, be I don't know I think it's more about the role of democracy uh, what he, we have seen over the last few decades is uh, very negative development uh, on a global scale, uh, in indiv individual countries and, and also uh, a overall uh, in um, democratic development. And I think it's somehow related to uh, uh, internet, social media, uh, and, and it's distracting uh, uh, policy making. And I think it it's also preventing us from tackling the most important issues which should be tackled, like uh, the role of the big uh, tech companies, their their power to to harness technology for their own benefit, uh, and also climate change. Uh, those kind of those kind of issues. I don't know how how universal basic income relates to 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 this topic but of course if you think about when i, I uh, what i mentioned earlier this basic income as kind of a politics of recognition that it would somehow engage people in their local communities and and in in national context to participate in democratic uh, decision making and and uh, 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 tackling the real issues which we have uh, at hand, then basic income would actually uh, be a beneficial program. Heik, you mentioned in the very beginning, if I remember correctly, the 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 idea of a UBI as a global uh, project and and its possible benefits uh, on possibly on on the the less developed countries so do you have anything to elaborate on that if if if, if that universal basic income would be implemented as a global project which would have the aim of 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 uh, increasing the the level of well-being and satisf uh, satisfying the basic needs of less developed countries do you have anything to elaborate on that 
Well, if I would be the leader of the ruler of the world, <laughs> I would give at least one one. Uh, I would give at least ten dollars a day for or, or, or a month for for every citizens. But I, I don't foresee that long that we would have a kind of a, a global government and, and a global or or world leader who would take these benevolent decisions. But. Uh, uh, I've been sub a little bit engaged with the European level basic income movement and I have been uh, welcoming this idea at least to have a uh, uh, European level basic income for the children. Uh, it's not my idea, it's been advocated by, by some, some uh, uh, very prominent scholars and I think it's a very nice idea because uh, if you think about a social policy program and if you think about that institution which is giving you money, you have a kind of a, a positive connection to that institution. I know that many people criticize Kela, but it also makes us <laughs> a community. So I think people would perhaps have a more positive view on, on European level uh, 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 democratic uh, decision making if every child would get money from the European Union. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, yes, also thinking of fact on the global level from the perspective of climate that it's, it is the Western world has contributed the biggest share of emissions and if we want to somehow compensate this going forward then uh, a UBI would be a, a great way to do that because when adjusted for purchasing parity it does a lot more in those areas that are affected by the historical emissions that we have caused. Yeah, I mean, and that is the sad reality that uh, those poor, poor uh, uh, countries and people, especially for the poor people in poor countries, who live from the subsistence uh, agriculture, they have contributed nothing to the global warming, and they will be the first victims because of the change in, in the in the in the climate. Because it, I mean, for us who are working in 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 offices, I mean. It's probably just a little bit uh, uh, unpleasant if, if the weather is getting too hot. But for them, it's a question of uh, life and death. Can they continue getting their livelihood from that uh, from those fields or not? Uh, and we have those this idea of, of three times of three types of interventions like mitigation, adaption, adaption, and then loss and damage that the rich countries would actually pay back, compensate for the fact that we have been ruining the globe. And, and in that context, some sort of basic income could be, could be a solution. Seeing, uh, seeing that Petter mentioned the, the mindset of, of people associating, the, for example, the experience of shame uh, while living uh, of social security and, and, and the stigma of being poor, and and also he mentioned the 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 mindset related to that so uh, as a researcher uh, at kela do you feel that the or do you have any view on the if if basic income would be implemented that would it be have to be uh, combined with also some sort of project of say changing the general mindset about these uh, topics that Petteri mentioned um, well, um, uh, I I think that probably not because in, in that case uh, it would be universal. Uh, 
so everybody would uh, would get it. So it, there is no no <laughs> division for those who receive it and do not receive it. And I think in in some cases in our current social security system, we also have this kind of elements that they are universal. They are not only for the poor that they are universal and I, I think this is good and one one example is that when the social assistance was centralized to Kela from the municipalities it it was uh, one one way to sort of to to <laughs> uh, to make it more uh, more easy to apply online and then then it's it's you don't need to go any any you don't need to go to see a social worker. You can just apply for the financial aid from Kela. So it's it's le pro it might be less problematic and and there might be less less stigma when you uh, are customer of Kela uh, because everybody is a customer of Kela at at some point of their life. So I think we can we can move to this direction also in our current system. But I I want to go back to one one point you were talking about about the families and generations and and young people. So I think this is one of the the maybe one perspective that that we might need more uh, analyze. And more discussion about how wha what would be the uh, best way to reform social security to to support families and reduce child poverty and is is basic income a good model for that maybe maybe not but what would be and because the the reducing child poverty would be vital to to for some for some to get <laughs> because child poverty has a really long long effect in in people's lives so that that's why we need more more solutions to reduce child poverty and one actually one uh uh, interesting empirical fact is that in Wales they are actually implementing basic income for those young people who are leaving social care. So if they have been in foster care when they were under 18 and when they leave it, leave this care system, they will re receive basic income. And I think this is, uh, it would be impossible in Finland to introduce, the, I think, this kind of model, but I think it's very interesting to see what that what will happen to these young people when they receive basic income af after leaving social care. You mentioned family, and Heike, you also talked about the communities, and and going back again to the the que environmental questions. Uh, I remember reading upon uh, uh, when there was maybe it was at the design phase of, of a basic income trial in Canada that the local indigenous tribal council members uh, ex expressed their concern that 
uh, a basic income paid to individuals would only increase individualistic culture uh, would where the one elemental part is uh, is is personal consumption and and they w- they were more they w- were interested of having this basic income uh, implemented more as a communal project so uh, when 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 pursuing uh, issues such as uh, greater equality and and justice do you feel that there that the that the, the basic income as it has been now understood as a, as 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 a social security paid to individuals that uh, in the future there's uh, maybe more positive potential if it's expanded for example to families or even uh, greater communities I think it's a fundamental feature of uh, UBI is that it's an individual benefit. Uh, and that's a criticism of, of uh, the means testing happening on a household level, which is reducing uh, incentives for work and, and which is uh, quite uh, bad in many, many different ways. Uh, UBI has been also criticized for the fact that it doesn't include basic services. So there is uh, a complementary idea to UBI, which is universal basic services. And services, they are more uh, communal in the sense that they you th- think about access and then people are using the same services. They have the service in the, in the same facilities and they, they meet with people and they make, so, uh, they make friends and social relationships while they participate in, in the services. So if you think about a future society, you would not just uh, you would not just uh, it would not suffice to only look at uh, income schemes. So you would also need to think about access to basic services and the availability and the quality of uh, basic services. Uh, and of course, even if it's individual place, let's say on a family level, nothing prevents you from paying the UBI to a joint account where everyone just spends the money. So uh, from a voluntary perspective, at least on a family level, it's easy to implement it as, uh, use it as a common pot of money. I don't claim to say that how like the indigenous tribes would feel about this, but the same thing uh, is of course applicable there, but I can't comment because I don't know the, that culture but very well. In a Finnish context though, from a, if you want to spend the money on a family level, it's already doable. Many people do use joint accounts, so if the money comes there, it's joint money. Well, and, and this uh, community aspect has been uh, addressed in, in some of the basic income pilots, like the one there is uh, in the Gongchi province surrounding a capital city of Seoul where this uh, basic income is paid for uh, young people. I think they are in, the, in, in their early 20s uh, and it's paid in, in form of a local currency. So you can only use the money uh, for local enterprises. And actually it's just like uh, small and medium size uh, enterprises. So it's actually benefiting the community, not just those youngsters who are getting the money.
Any more thoughts or comments on, on UBI and the future? Or something that has been left unsaid that you would still like to say? Maybe a, only a small anecdote about that Korean uh, basic income experiment when they uh, they give this this small basic income to young people to spend in a local local marketplace or in local restaurants and because the, um, we get many visitors from diff different countries at Kela to 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 see or to hear about the the Finnish basic income experiment and one one group from Korea from that province uh, they listened my presentation and then they they laughed and said that this is not the basic income income experiment <laughs> when they they heard about the Finnish basic income experiment I, I I was quite polite and then I I didn't reply but I thought that your basic income experiment is neither a basic income experiment but it's only a lo local currency so we have many many different kind of ideas what is the basic income and also in this discussion you have introduced uh, um, a huge variety of themes that we think that the basic income might be a solution or, or might introduce some new new perspective to our society. Uh, so yeah, if you think uh, UBI is a great thing, you want to advance it, of course, on our website, perustulo.org, you can join our association to become a member, that's a shameless pl plugging here. And of course, the real re the me uh, central reason why we don't have UBI in Finland is that there's no parliamentary majority for it, so vote for the politicians that uh, support UBI if you wanted to see it implemented on the Finnish level. repeat the question for for people who who might have not heard it watching the video of this so the question was that what would be the uh, sufficient or appropriate amount of uh, basic income to have the, the supposed positive effects of basic income would have uh, on a psychological level I think there is no such research to to answer that question. I think uh, in the planning phase of the Finnish basic income experiment, there was this idea to experiment different with different levels, but then uh, the experiment budget was cut down by the fact that uh, also the money which was paid for those who were not getting the basic income it was it was it was considered as part of the, part of the budget. So so those those more ambitious plans with the research group had they they were not able to realize them uh, I would say that the amount is 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 not or was not the the issue in the Finnish case because those who received uh, the 
normal unemployment benefit and those who received basic income, they received the same amount of money. So that's why from that perspective we might think that it's that the other features of basic income in 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 that case are are the main sort of main drivers or or features of of that sort of certainty or or better well-being better mental health yeah and i would say that like there's probably clear to say that one euro isn't enough uh, and then uh, 1,000 euros is enough, where it's in between is an open question, but I think it comes down to the fact that which of the benefits are you able to replace with it? Uh, as soon as you're able to uh, be, uh, replace, let's say, labor market subsidy, uh, and then you have at least, as said before, the mental mental model that I don't have to go to the unemployment office even if you end up actually using it, but you have the option in your mind that you don't need to go there, and it is a significant level that you can uh, uh, replace labor market subsidy. I don't remember what the uh, level is now, but 600 plus minus something, but uh, maybe you remember what it is now. But around that level, uh, if it's significantly less than what was in the basic income trial, uh, you wouldn't have the option to like opt out of the uh, uh, unemployment office uh, activities at least. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us at www.globalvisions.fi. Check out also Max's book, which is available to download for free at www.avisionofabetterworld.net. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and Discord. Everyone is welcome to take part in our activities and discussion, which is an invitation to reflect on how to make the world a better place.